Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. Brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bike Radar Podcast. I'm Jack Luke and today I'm joined by wonderful friend, esteemed colleague and master chef, Matthew Loveridge. And today we're going to talk you through some of our news highlights from, well, pretty much from the start of the year, actually. It's been a while since we've done one of these. And to kick things off, we're going to go with some good old fashioned tech news. Matthew, what have you been fondling this week? I have my hot little hands on a brand new pair of specialised shoes. It's the S-Works Ares, which is the latest, greatest flagship. It's already been spotted on social media on a few key pro riders, but it's actually, by the time this goes out, will have been launched. And interestingly, the Ares doesn't replace the existing models, which are the very, very lightweight Exos and the very, very airy Vent. Instead, the new Ares is specifically focused on being A, very comfortable, and B, extremely good at transferring power to the pedals. Specialized has made a specific claim about these shoes, which sounds extraordinary, let's say, which is that they will make you 1% faster than any previous Specialized shoe. That's quite a huge generalization to make. The parameters of that statement have not been clearly explained, I would say, but they are saying essentially that ridden back to back, you will get more power to your back wheel via these shoes because of the way that they fit you. And it's correct to say that that's 1% compared to specialized other shoes. Is that right? As far as I can tell, yes, that is correct. Uh, what is different about these shoes is their construction. So for starters, they use a tongueless design. Previously, specialized shoes had a more conventional 
tongue essentially now they use what's called a sock and it's made out of dyneema which is one of these wonder materials that's very strong and light that's cropped up in quite a few pieces of high-end kit recently they've also kind of redesigned the closure arrangement so it now almost looks like a triathlon shoe in side profile there's a very the upper forms a very wide strap that wraps over the top of the shoe and has a boa dial on it and then there's another boa dial for your forefoot but in total it's designed to hold you very very securely but at the same time to be as comfortable as possible because obviously you can make a shoe very stiff but it's not necessarily comfortable and if you're not comfortable that's not going to work in the long term for riding now specialized has sent you a gleaming pearlescent white pair of the shoes um have you been brave enough to wear them yet in our rather miserable winter conditions I have yet to wear them. When I do, I'm probably going to have to put duct tape over the toe vent because although they're not as airy as the vent shoes, they are very much like a summer style construction. They've got quite a bit of mesh material, which is essentially white, uh, which I imagine will be ruined almost immediately. Although at this time of year, I will be wearing overshoes. They're they're an interesting shoe. Uh, Aesthetically out of the box, I was a bit like, taken aback by quite how much honestly they look like a triathlon shoe but i've seen quite a few pictures of pros and the models that specialize use wearing them and they look much more normal when they're actually on a human being yes and uh, you know i think that's the kind of the takeaway from them is they are genuinely from a tech perspective they're quite interesting um we can probably put aside the dubious claims because one percent is dubious but you know they're cool. They're also very expensive, I believe. They are very expensive. They are £375 in the UK or $425 US dollars. Um, interestingly, on a design point of view, apparently Specialized got considerable input from Decunant Quickstep sprinter Sam Bennett, who had very, very specific requests when it came to what a shoe should do when he's sprinting. And he was essentially saying that the existing designs didn't give him the kind of stability that he needed. And as somebody who's very good at riding quickly towards a finish line, probably <laughs> does know what he's talking about, whether or not the differences that that's led to in the design will be noticeable to more average riders like you and me is another matter. Well, I don't know, Matthew, you're quite the athlete. I'm sure you'll push them to the absolute limit. I will certainly get them very dirty. Looking outside of the cycling world, Certainly for our listeners in the UK, it's been quite hard to avoid the fact that Brexit has finally happened. Um, And this has had some pretty significant implications to buyers in the UK of bikes, accessories, components, pretty much anything that you want to get that's coming from Europe or elsewhere in the world. Um, Now, the most tangible of these changes has been I would call them significant price increases from all of the mainstream manufacturers across the board. And as we record this podcast, I'm actually in the middle of of going through a feature that we're about to publish that kind of tries to separate out what's happened with Brexit and how that's changed the market alongside the more global kind of impact that COVID has had on the cycling industry. But going back to the price increases, we've seen the likes of Canyon increase prices by 20%. In one case, in fact, Matthew, you just reviewed the Grail and were surprised after publishing to find out that it had gone up in price by a couple hundred pounds. It depends what you're comparing it to. If you're comparing it to the previous year's technical equivalent bike, I think it's gone up by £300. Um, but even in the course of the time that I had the bike, 
there was a jump in price. And what is really telling is that that canyon, this is the Grail 6, which is the entry-level-ish aluminium gravel bike. So in Europe, i.e. on the continent, that bike is now €1,499. In the UK, it's £1,649, which is a huge difference. And all, you know, a lot of this is to do with you know, tariffs for importing for Brexit. They, they, our guide is going to go into detail about exactly how the tariffs are applied. But essentially, the tariff-free arrangement only applies to goods which are manufactured in the UK or in the Europe going back or forth. And the complication with bicycles is that the rules stipulate that for something to be applied to zero tariff, I think it's something like more than 45% of the components have to have been designed or manufactured within Europe. Now, for a bicycle, the majority of the components aren't. You know, in Canyon's case, if I'm not mistaken, most of their frames are made in Taiwan. And in the case of the bike you reviewed, it's got a Shimano group set on it and so on and so on. So, you know, there are tariffs going to be levied on that bike coming into the UK from Canyon's warehouses in Germany. It's an incredibly confusing picture that I was initially throwing. So the 45% thing, it, it's on the value of the components. It's not like they're doing sort of like volume or mass or something. No, yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's according to the nominal retail value of each of those components, which in itself I'm not totally sure how they're assessing because some of those things don't even have a retail price, but they must have a price at the OEM level. Uh, it's not something that's straightforward to unpick. Also, Canyon, when it sells a bike to the UK, as I understand it, their aim is always to give you a price that rolls everything into one so that there are no surprises. Um, but but it's not straightforward for a manufacturer to do that, as I understand it. And I know that in this feature, we talked to a small UK maker of bikes, Kotick, and for them, it's just a complete administrative headache and they're now in a position where selling anything into continental Europe becomes vastly more complicated than it was before. The guy that we spoke to, Sai, the kind of manager of the company, or owner of the company, I should say, he's saying that they had a customer who pre-Christmas had put down £4,700 on uh, one of his bikes as a kind of pre-order. And then post-Christmas, when Brexit kind of came into place, um, he was facing an import bill of neither, uh, nearly €700. Euros. Um, so to kind of rectify it, he's actually removed some parts from his order. Um, and though he's going to pay a 0% tariff on the frame, because that is made in the UK with UK tubing, um, he'll still pay a 4.7% tariff on most of the other parts. So your suspension and dropper and group set and so on, because none of that is made in the UK or Europe. Um it's extraordinarily complex for them, though, because some of their frames are also made in Taiwan, which would then be levied with a 4.7% tariff. And, you know, I think prices across the board have increased because, and this the piece does go into this more globally, the cost of manufacturing has increased significantly. This is nothing to do with Brexit. It's uh, just the pandemic and, you know, rising uh, standards of living in places where bicycles are manufactured have made making things more expensive um but the, that with the confusion of brexit added on i think has just pushed certainly a number of brands to stop selling to the uk altogether we shouldn't also overlook that there's been a massive increase in demand in bikes which the bike industry is quite happy about and that's partly because for example a lot of people are 
avoiding using public transport at the moment. It's also with a deficit of absolutely anything else to do. I it's just what, what else do you do but bloody ride your bike? Um, so you know it's, it's been well documented that cycling's grown enormously year in year, and according to the stats, we we quote a twenty seven percent increase in sales volume from April to September last year, with a huge increase in e bike sales, double compared to the previous year, and also a lot of new cyclists in the under thirty five category. So that you know it's all a good picture from that perspective, but it's. I think an already stretched industry has been thrown into a rather traumatic phase with the, the post-Brexit confusion. Now, we spoke to the likes of Rose, who we covered in a, a previous podcast a few weeks ago, a few months ago now. And for them, they, it was a more internal change when they were moving to serial production. So rather than making bikes to order, they'd make them in batches. And the UK law stipulates that bikes have to be set up with the front brake on the right and the rear brake on the left. Um, and that's different to pretty much anywhere else in the entire world and that with the kind of looming uncertainty of brexit meant that they stopped selling bikes to the uk but then in january they're just now not selling here at all um, that includes components everything else and they, they have said that their intention is once things settle down the picture is more clear they would like to start selling into the uk market but i think it's safe to say that disruption is going to follow for some months to come, not least because, for example, a friend of mine is trying to buy a rear derailleur at the moment for a Shimano group set, and uh, he's been told it will arrive in the UK probably no sooner than August. Um, So all else aside, there's just not enough stuff. No, there are so many factors at play here. Uh, It's going to take a really, really long time to settle down, and any prediction that we make about it is probably going to be wrong. But this... Mm. I think the the most frustrating thing is just that if you've got cash ready and you want to buy a bike right now, it's actually surprisingly difficult. And for that reason, we'd encourage you to don't just look at the big brands like, say, you've decided you'd really like a Canyon. Yes, they make very good bikes, but there are lots of very good alternatives that compete with them, some of them from more locally based companies. So it is worth shopping around because there are there are still bikes out there, but they're in very high demand. A friend of mine, not long before we recorded this back home in Scotland, just messaged me asking, oh, you know, my bike was stolen last year. What should I buy? And I'm going to look. I'll do my research for him, but I have a sneaking suspicion it will be a case of whatever you can find. Of course, the second-hand bike market has also boomed, and it's a great time if you've got any old bikes languishing in your shed to sell them (laughs) because you will make a lot of money. Um, But, yeah, it's... I mean, kind of internally for us, we're gearing up right now for our um, annual bike of the year test, uh, which is a big, huge, massive test. It's our kind of headline bicycle test for the whole year. And um, even for us, you know, industry insiders, getting a hold of stuff is much, much harder than previous years. Not least because, you know, brands don't necessarily want to send you a bike that they don't have any of themselves. (laughs) Yeah, and and also it's thrown all of our kind of normal price brackets into disarray because if you go on Bike Radar and look at like the best road bikes under a thousand pounds, what a thousand pounds gets you now is quite different to what it got you a year or two years ago because things have just shifted so much. And I know some people will come along and say, oh, you know, you can't ignore inflation, prices are going up, but this is way beyond inflation, the increases that we're seeing at the moment. Massively. Um, the, the quote we have in here from the Bicycle Association suggests that 
there's been a, a enormous 26% hike in the average price of bikes sold in 2020 compared to the same period in 2019. 26% is a huge amount of money. Now, part of that will be because people are having to spend more to actually get their hands on a bike, but it is also definitely fueled by general increases in bikes across the board. So anyway, thank you very, very much for listening. We will be continuing with the podcast, as always, throughout 2021, your beacon of a cycling chat, a highlight of your week, I have no doubt. Uh, thank you very much, Matthew, and enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks, Jack. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bye.